That L Word Podcast. Do you need the leadership work? Can you even love? A podcast about leadership and everything that people are afraid to say out loud. Do you love yourself? Because if you ain't leading yourself, how can you lead a multi-million dollar corporation? Are we is, ready? The clock is are running. we ready? The clock is running, it's Morgan. Right? Morgan, yeah, Morgan. Maybe. What else do you want to call me? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Call you what they call you, but not in front of you. Oh, well, damn. That was a, that was a good one. That was pretty sick. Another episode, right? Another episode of That L Word Podcast. Always bringing on amazing guests, and we have somebody tremendously awesomely amazing instances. Morgan likes to make up words. All the time. That's okay. It's okay. Yeah. okay. Like, somebody made up the words we have, so why can't I make up my own? You can. This is what we hear about. We hear about growth, doing things that most people say we shouldn't be doing, but we do anyway because it brings value to others. I don't know what value these words bring, but whatever. I'm fired up already. Man. Let's do it. Morgan has that. <laughs> uh, you're the guest. Are you the guest? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we've got, uh, we've got John Panicione with us from Fola Capital, and so happy to have you here today, John. I appreciate you having me, man. It's a real uh, honor to be here. Yeah, so John, we've been on other podcasts together and run in the same circles in the Veteran Business Collective, and just in general, we've met and had lunch several times, and when Morgan and I were talking about bringing guests on, I said, oh, John would be perfect, because we've had a lot of great conversations about leadership, Yeah, and uh, we definitely want to talk about that today, how leadership from is often lost in translation when you're moving from one organization to another. But I know, uh, John, you've got a lot going on. You've got full of capital, vet to CEO. Why don't you take a few minutes and tell us about all that? Yeah, so by day, I, um, I'm, I'm a partner in Fola Capital. We're an SEC-registered broker-dealer, which is a bunch of words to say we're, we're regulated. And we help small businesses and entrepreneurs raise capital legally um, through different methods. So we're an investment banking firm, basically a small firm. We focus on veterans, women, minority-owned businesses, and rural businesses as well. So uh, that's what I do by day. At night, I don a cape, and um, I get involved with my nonprofit, Vet the CEO. And, uh, you know, I help fellow uh, service members who are leaving the military kind of look at entrepreneurship and small business ownership as something to do when they take the uniform off, you know. So we have a formal program for that. Can you explain that program a little? We just had Chris Bannister on a couple episodes ago with the Honor Foundation. How does Vet CEO uh, work with people? Yeah, I know, Chris. Um, So there's a lot of things that are misunderstood about being an entrepreneur and small business owner. You guys probably understand that. Um, So what we try to do is dispel all the myths and unknowns and kind of clear the fog on entrepreneurship and small business ownership in general. But we do it specifically for veterans or, um, you know, folks getting out of the military because that scares the crap out of veterans for a number of reasons we can get into. Um, so what we try to do is is we have a formal program. It's nine weeks long. It's an accelerator program. Next one's in starts in August, by the way. It's free and it's online, so we can uh, reach anybody. And we've actually had guys downrange take it, which is kind of cool. Not so much these days, but um, uh, it's really designed for people with military experience. So we don't spend a lot of time on like how to be a good first line supervisor or HR stuff. My favorite topic. <laughs> Uh, I heard about it. But we really suck at some things as military folks, like um, unless you're a recruiter, sales stuff, uh, or finance. You know, we kind of suck at those things. So we spend more time on that than you might normally would in a regular business class. 
And then it's all veterans, so the military humor and the jabbing and all that that goes on takes place. So people feel comfortable in the environment, and we take them through this structured, really rigorous process, kind of like a mini-MBA. But when they get to the end of it, they, they've either dropped out because they've realized it's not for them, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, or B, they've made it to the end, and uh, they're all fired up, you know, and then we, we can help them beyond that with the network we have. And you're a bit of a serial entrepreneur yourself, aren't you? Yeah, I hate that name that's usually associated with rapists and murderers. Right. But uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I How guess about I an am. I'm, <laughs> yeah, uh, seasoned. Seasoned. Uh, there we go. Seasoned. Yeah. So I'm. I'm. Uh, yeah, it's my third business. My first one was a software company called Logic Bay, um, which a lot of the stuff that I, you know, I had to do myself running a business, and uh, I was the only, shamefully, the only veteran in that business all those years. Um, and we get into that as well. But, um, you know, I think, and I got to an exit after 18 years, a year and a half ago. So I was able to go through all the trials and tribulations of starting a business from scratch and all the obstacles in the way and make it to the end. Um, and I attribute a lot of that to some of the stuff I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, what I, that I took from the military. I, and I was just going to ask that question, you know, so what skill set did you bring from the military that, that helped you in that venture? Uh, where do we begin? You know, it, I, I just talked to a couple of college classes this morning, uh, just fresh in my mind, and I talked about, you know, these uh, decision-making principles I put in place in my company. And if you read them, it's like 10 of them, 10, 10 or 12 of them. Every year we tweak one or two or add one or something. But, you know, I, I used to go over these with new employees, and the whole company, I bring them up all the time. People would roll their eyes, and they're kind of hokey, but and I'll give you a couple of examples. But... When you use them to shape an organization, um, you know, the organization starts to run on its own, right? And, and this, this isn't done formally in any company I've ever been associated with, right? But they're similar to, like, pr- troop leading procedures and stuff you learn mm-hmm. in the military, just standard stuff that makes sense, mm-hmm. and, but everybody follows them. And if you keep following them and keep improving it incrementally over time, organizations get get good, right? I'll give you one, one example, one of my favorites, which is uh, don't bring people your problems without suggested recommendations to solve them, right? Or is this complaining? Yeah. Yep. I like no that No brainer, right? Yep. <laughs> Do we think anything different, right? Believe it or not, that's rocket science, right? Your boss is there to suppose, your boss is a boss in business because they're smarter and they, they solve all the problems. So the story goes, the military you know, it, it, it's not that way, right? It's like, uh, okay, quit bringing me problems. You fixed the damn problem, right? Um, so it, that, that's like one of my favorite ones. You come to pro- and come with at least one recommendation, right, for every problem you bring to your boss. Um, so, you know, another one's on integrity. You know, once you lose it, you never get it back, you know, and, and um, you know, stuff like that. So there's like a collection of these things. And um, that that – it's what led to much of, I think, any success that I've had in that business and others and, you know, really helped bridge the gap between what, what works in the military and what works in the business. I, the, I'm going to go back to the first one because I believe the same thing. And I always tell people, if you if you have a problem and you want me to answer it, right, have a solution, even if it, you're not sure if it's right. going to work, right, but at least give, gets you to – Thinking actively mm-hmm. and trying to be more uh, in tune, and so, but in the that military taught me that because we not only had to do we had to be good as a team, we had to be good as individuals because we support the team, right? Right, and it has helped me because now 
my, I have a, I have a, a quote that I always say, find a way, find a way. And the saying I say to myself because before I started saying, like, I need this, 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 and this, I try to educate myself enough to understand, like, what can I do? What do I need to go ask for your help? But it's not me saying I don't need your help. It's like, have I done everything in my power to learn before I started to just not even ask for help? You, you ask somebody to tell you what to do. Right, and I, you do see that a lot in the civil, a lot right. more in the civilian sector because they're used to people telling you what to do. But the whole purpose of you coming to me with the what with the solutions because that states as a leader, I know that you're just as valuable as I am. Right, that's right. the part Absolutely. that people are missing. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah and it's that missing. Was, that's a big one for me <laughs> at scale, man. I'll give you another one related to that. It's it's simple. Always provide the why, right? Mm-hmm. So if I tell you to dig that hole over there, and that's all I tell you, you're like, well, I gotta fucking dig a damn hole, you know? And I, and I never tell you why, because I'm that kind of leader in the business world. Mm-hmm. What doesn't it make a big difference if you say, please dig that hole because we got a tree showing up, we're gonna plant today, mm-hmm. right? Oh, I get it. Okay, so I need to dig the hole. That that little piece provide the why. Understanding purpose. I, I was in an airborne yeah. unit, right? Every jump, the lowest ranking private had to know what the hell was going on, right? You didn't just say, hey, jump, grab that parachute, you can jump out of that airplane. They had, everybody had to know on an airborne operator, no matter what your rank was, right? So that's an example of the military doing it. Um, and it's so easy. It takes you like 10 more seconds to provide the and why. It doesn't cost anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's probably going to save you something. Yeah. And your employees would go, wow, they're a great boss. Oh, oh, just because you told them why you're asking You know what they, I've heard? They, they, they've told me, so you treat me like I'm a person. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what they, cause they feel valued. Right. Right? And uh, that's huge. Just like you said, just, but it can be a very, very detrimental when you don't share it because now you're like, well, why didn't you do this? Well, you never told me the intent. Right. Yeah. Or what do you why, want me to do? Or you get yelled at because you did it, quote, unquote, wrong. But if you told that person why they were doing it, they might have improvised and done it differently, but they had a better outcome. Because you trust them and give them decision-making space. Right. So if you say dig a hole, well, maybe I dig a hole this big. Right. But if you told me dig a hole because we've got a tree coming, now That's I know what I can take That's going to be a different yeah. hole. That's a different hole. Yeah, hole. maybe I'll move the hole over a little because it's more in the sun or something. <laughs> That's you know? right, yeah. And and so we were talking about Lost in Translation, and you and I had a great conversation over lunch one day about things that we've learned in the military and the amount of money the military invests in service members for leadership and all of that stuff that seems to be lost when – and not in every case, of course, but we're speaking in general – when they transition out and how the, the nation is almost missing a huge asset. Right. Or failing to recognize it in some cases. Yeah, I remember talking about that. You know, it's something I've recognized maybe in the last few years, and I've been on this veteran transition thing for a long time, you know, and it's actually dispelled a lot of beliefs I had before I've spent a lot of time on it, but it's also strengthened um, a lot of new new things I've realized, and one of them is what you just said. You know, I I think when, you know, less than 2% of us serve, right? So we go around Mm -hmm. and we talk about the stuff we're talking about right now, and it's respected. But I, I don't think I th- that's one of the reasons I wanted to meet with you. I want to make this point and get your feedback. The civilian world means well, and they, they really do appreciate our service and all that. But unless you've been in the environment we've been in, you can't appreciate some of the things we, we create podcasts about. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it must have been cool. And, you know, we really appreciate your service. You did some cool things. But the, the real recognition that um, why – why what we feel so strongly about 
is driving us to feel so strongly about that context is missing, right? So I don't know how you get over that, you know, at a, at a max level. But having said that, it led to the other point you just made. You know, the United States taxpayer has spent a gazillion dollars on leaders of all levels, not just the generals, but down to the, the corporals, the mm-hmm. sergeants, in leadership training, leadership simulations, uh, le- daily lessons in leadership and mentorship. It's part of the culture of the military. And then that person takes the uniform off, and it's wasted. <laughs> and to me, that's a national treasure that, that this government spends more than anybody in the world on developing leaders in the military. And then when we kick them out, they were like, go get a job. This is the thing I have with the Honor Foundation, by the way. Go get a job. You know, punch your ticket, get your paycheck. Well, what about the leadership stuff, you know, that's you're squandering here, right? How can we put that best to use, right, for the benefit of the service member, but more importantly for the benefit of whatever organization accepts that? Yeah, and Chris was just talking about that in, in his episode is the Honor Foundation's what, – what he's striving, at least on this campus, is to really push the service members to realize the value they bring right. and to how – it, it, because it is, and we were just talking about this in our last episode, is it's 100-100. And if there's an issue, you still play a part in that. And so part of it for at least transitioning service members is realizing uh, um, how you can communicate the value you bring to the team. Right. So it's not just, hey, I've got this skill set of, I don't know, IT, say, right? But when you're interviewing or talking to your potential employer in corporate America saying, yeah, I'm great at this IT thing that you're looking at me for – but here's all the leadership stuff that I also bring. And here's my experience in, you know, working with uh, other nations or I don't know, whatever. Right. They're really focusing on trying to help people be able to communicate their worth better right. and the value they bring. Yeah. And I think that's that's one of the things. Yeah, that that's part about. of the yeah. challenge. And what do we need to do? We need to change our language, right? We need to mm. we need to take that mm. and reshape it so it's acceptable, mm-hmm. right? I think yeah. I think we shouldn't do that, to be honest with you. There's two things that challenge like a guy coming out of the Honor, Honor Foundation or any good leader coming out of the military. There's two things that challenge them when they go into business. Number one, there aren't other people like them around in that organization. So mm. when we go into a military unit, first of all, most of us, when we show up, we're a little intimidated. We don't know who's who, right? And we want to prove ourselves and all that stuff, right? So you go into that kind of organization where you got people around you like you immediately respect and they're there for you as much as you're there to try to help them, right? That's not so true in an organization like a civilian organization. It's not like an accepted norm in a lot of organizations, right, that you're going to have that kind of team there already. The other, the second thing we get in the military is there's always some dude better than you, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> there's Faster, always somebody stronger, more smarter. grisly than you. That's right. You know, been deployed more than you. There's mm-hmm. always that person. They're always and sizing each other you quickly know yeah. who that is. <laughs> And they're always they're always like a mentor to you. So you don't have those two things when you go into a civilian organization, right? You don't have that s- trust in each other on day one, and you, you, it's kind of tough because there's no rank or anything. It's kind of tough to find those 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 the latter people, right? right? Like the grizzly old salty vets. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, all of that just to make this point, I, I think a lot of veterans struggle with that. Like, oh God, I gotta get a job, and those two things are missing, and um, we feel naked, right? We don't know what the hell to do, and we feel weird. And uh, I think that's something we all go through. I, I would add the third one. We don't know ourselves. We don't know our own capabilities because mm-hmm. we, when you're around your own people, 
it's normal for me to like this is like to be around y'all. That's this is normal to me, but right. it ain't normal in the civilian world. Right. To, you know what I mean? And so you get to the point, you like you minimize what you bring to the table because shit. Like when you go to the the, the Marine Corps. Average is that's I don't know every every average marine I know is above average in, in the civilian right. sector you know right. and so you get used to that level of competition you get used to that level of that guy that always everybody's pushing each other and and so you minimize it and I and I, and I say this because I've done it yeah and then I'm like oh I'm good. yeah you you this work you this I'm like I'm just like you but essentially as I step back and I transition out I am not. I am not – I have different morals, values, and once I started to understand my value, that's when I was empowered, right? Yeah. And and I started to see, like, this is what I – because there were people that are – then I started to understand why people, like some organizations, and this happens, some companies are intimidated by us, Yeah, right? Because or if we come I come across as arrogant. Yeah, because I'm – I'm you know, <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, what I'm saying, like, oh, yeah, we work from four to – you know, from, from nine to five. No, I – I'll, I'll finish working when the job is done. Yeah. That's how I work. And you say that, they're like, oh, shit, he's going to take my job. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I've, I've dealt with this stuff uh, on this back end. And uh, you really have to we – have, we have to do a lot of more self-work because we are so institutionalized sometimes right. um, that we have to realize that the reason the institution is so successful is because of us as well. Our, our contribution to the mission is just as important as everybody else is. Right, and so we had to take that out there and say, "Hey, this is also what you need to know that you have the skills you need to be successful to run anything. Ain't nothing I can't be in charge of." They'd be like, "What can you do? Anything?" Yeah, <laughs> like, well, but it is kind of that, that's arrogant to somebody that yeah. is not in from that world. Right, but like, I'm not trying to be arrogant. That's literally what I've been yeah. trained to do. Yeah, I could be a nuclear biological chemist. Just give me a year. Give me some OJT. Yeah. I'll be straight. I'll figure it out. We might that's blow right. some shit up. But, yeah, <laughs> but we'll figure it out, man. Yeah. Well, and I think because in the military, you are put in a bunch of different positions. That's right. You know, you're it, trained to be in an uncomfortable position. That's right, right. and yeah. and you know somebody in the finance department might have gotten sick, so they need you to go and to learn how. Out of there, so many jobs. That's what I'm saying, and <laughs> yeah. so I think that does lend itself to the mindset that a lot of us have of I can do anything. Yeah, right. I don't know if I want to be a nuclear biological <laughs> chemist or whatever you said, but you know that would require some training. But then that's where the tenacity comes in, and I think that's a lot of what we all share is tenacity work ethic and figure it out, figure it out and supporting <laughs> each other. Yeah. You know, because if, if John was just thrust into a position that he didn't know anything about Morgan and I are going to naturally backfill what you were doing s- to support you. So you could learn that new job. Right, right. And I think it's things like that that are lost on some organizations. I don't want to make it sound like, you know, I think a lot of corporate America, there are great organizations out there with amazing culture that they yes. do support each other. I agree. But there are also, I'm starting to see a lot that are not. Yeah, my uh, my thinking that's evolved over the last few years, like when I ran my company, Lodge Bay, I was the only veteran, I, I think I told you. I, I always felt bad about that. I'm like, I gotta, but no one ever quit. You know, over 18 years, I only had one dude quit, right? And um, I, had, I had to fire some people over time because we had to cut costs and all that, but I only had one person quit. I don't know if I paid them too much or maybe my design principles worked. I don't know what the hell it was. <laughs> but I, I really I, I treasured everybody that worked for me, and we worked well together. Having said that, I always felt bad. Like nobody quit, so I couldn't rehire, and I never, you know, and I never needed a lot more headcount, so I never had this huge demand to hire people, so I didn't hire veterans. 
But I, I learned an important lesson with that. And um, like there's two guys, Mike and Dave. You don't know Mike and Dave. But Mike was my COO. Dave was my CTO. They're, they're still with that company. They were with me since day one. Civilians. You know, they valued what I brought to the table. They'd roll their eyes at my stupid military jokes, right, and I had to hear all my stories <laughs> over 18 years. But those guys were invaluable to me. I don't think I would have been successful without those guys. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think it's like a metal alloy, right? You take a military dude and a civilian and you put them together in the right team, and they could do wonderful things in business together. And, and here's the, you know, nails on a chalkboard comment. I think if you get an organization that's all military guys in a business context, I'm not so sure they're going to be successful. <laughs> right. Honestly. Yeah. I hate to no. say that. But if you get a, if you consciously team military people with non-military people, so that together it's a one plus one equals three, I think that's the real opportunity for businesses, right? To create those small teams and consciously put military DNA in there, along with the civilian. It's what's made me stronger as what I do, speaker or you know, um, coach. I have my military side as Jody, right, and a couple other people. And then I have my um, corporate side where I have other friends that are CEOs, CFOs, CIOs. And you can hear this the synergy on both sides for me. Yeah. And it shows me how to, you know, how to take what I know here and they say, oh, this is how you implement it. This is what we're missing over here. Or what what don't we understand as military people? Like, because I had a friend, um, not a friend, but I, somebody I went to school with, uh, know him on LinkedIn, and he he made a post. He's like, we think that most uh, Marines or military think we can just go out and go into the corporate world based off what we know. He said, yeah, I'm going I'm to tell you I'm in it, and I just got out last year. They don't speak the same language. Right. Right. Our acronyms are different than their acronyms. And right. If you don't understand it, you're not going to be successful. Right. Yeah. So I think those are, are, are very big pieces to understanding and the growth in it. And I, and I bring, I mean, with that side, I mean, I got lucky because I've been getting it. I was still in and I was I was double dipping for a while. I was working for like seven years and I was in the military. And so I my transition was a lot easier because I already saw what I needed to, what I was going to have to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. People being moving a little bit slower or not being as organized and you can't. Tell people what to do. You have to ask them what to do, right? Yeah. You know, you know, you know. Oh, you don't have an opinion. Oh, you do have an opinion, and yeah. you can't cuss at them, and you can't call them names, and like. It, it, but it was good because some people have a hard time, and it's like you say, oh, "Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mass heart in the Marines." Okay, and that means what? You know, it's just understanding those two pieces. Just a funny aside. The hardest <laughs> lesson I learned the hard way is, uh, you know, in the military, when you like somebody, what do you what do you do them? The more you like somebody. Talk crazy about them. Yeah, you, you harass them you more. Harass, harass the lot. crap out yeah. of them, right? Well, that doesn't translate. No, well. you, go, you, go, <laughs> you get fired or go to jail. Yeah, yeah. If I'm not messing with you, it means I don't like you. I've had civilians say, why? You're such an asshole. Why do you treat me like that? Like I've almost come to blows with some people that I that were my favorite people. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I've, told, I've had Marines say that. I said, the moment I stop talking to you, you know that there's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. When I stop interacting with you, we have an issue. I mean, we're cruel to each other in the military, but in a lovable way, you know, that well, doesn't translate. And, no. and I thought about this before, John. I think it's because to be sarcastic and, and you know, I'm, I think cruel is probably a very harsh word, but it can be, right? I think if somebody who didn't know was looking in, they would say, man, you're cruel to that person. That's why they think we're crazy anyway. <laughs> right, but to get to that <laughs> so, point where you can push somebody's buttons, you have to know them. 
Right. You have to know because you still know what button's not the push. That's a good point. Yeah, we still it's the line that you don't cross, or we go. But you know them that well, as you know where those lines are. Yeah. Yeah. And so, if you were to break that down, now you're talking about psychological safety Mm -hmm. because I feel good messing with you, but you also feel safe enough to say to me, "Hey, Jody, no mom jokes with me." Okay, good. Then I know that's off limits, but everything else is I'm gonna I'm gonna. Throttle, Full you throttle yeah. That's why, I like, I mean, I bring this up. This is a hard topic, but I'm not gonna get deep into it. But race, like, it's not a. Like, there's all kinds of jokes that we make and things like that that I would never, ever yeah. say on here or right. or any other environment because we don't see it like that, right? And we know we know what our boundaries are, and we. But at the end of the day, like we can, like it's almost like um. You know, I can talk about my brother, but nobody else can. Right? And I think it's, the, it's a respect thing. It right. is, and I think the military is <laughs> is such a great because it's a cross section of of our country. Right. You get this massive melting pot of people, and you know, I would always say you can you can spot a, a group of military minus the haircut, but a, a group the of, of young <laughs> military people walking down the street in Oceanside or out here in Lejeune or wherever, because you will see four or five people, young men and women who you would never put together if you were just to look at them. Yeah. Right? There's yeah, the guy with yeah. the 10-gallon cowboy hat yeah. walking next to the state. The guy from looking. back in the, from the city, from <laughs> Chicago. That's right. And then you've got yeah. the, the young lady who's got like, looks like she's a, you know, um, uh, the girl next door. New Yorker. The yeah, they are. Right, right. And it's because they're forced to be together, but then they That is so true. Other. That is it funny, is. yeah. Because yeah. I got friends like that from... Detroit, from Cali, from Alabama. Like yeah. I, I, I listen to rock. I listen to country. I, I fly fish. I bow hunt. I like rap music. Like I, I mean, I like it's because the culture is like so yeah. vast, and that's that's the one thing that has brought value to my transition. Right. That yeah. is the one thing that like that culture. Because like if I was stayed in in Kansas City, Missouri, in the ghetto, I would not be able to have conversations like I'm having now. Right. But it's that I was able to be uh, privileged to be able to serve with so many people that when I go into the corporate world, I can see these different genres of people and I know how to interact with. Yeah, them. you can adapt to it now Easy. on the fly. Easy. Yeah. I can talk. Ain't nobody yeah. I can't talk to, and I yeah. read too. That just makes me a damn. Uh, triple well, threat, and, and I love, <laughs> and this a lot of everybody, not everybody reads. So I just want to say that out loud. <laughs> I, I, I just started to, like, I guess, realize this whole employee resource group, you know, concept in corporate America, where they have, you know, groups based on whatever. So they've got veterans groups and and within the organization, and I think those are useful and good. However, you're then kind of grouping people into things, and how much are they being? encouraged to get outside of that group and go do yeah. other stuff. And I've heard from some veterans, I don't join the the veterans ERG because that's already my group. I already know that group. I, I, I am go totally like that. And learn more about other people. That's a good point, yeah. And the minute you create a group, you're already identifying that they need to be separated and yeah. cared and fed differently, you know. And, and I'm not saying those are bad. I don't want that. They're not bad, but, like, the only time you learn is when you do something you haven't done. Yeah. So what if, if you, yeah. What about a group that, you know, and I don't know how you would start it or what it would even be called, but a group that specifically looks at let's bring everybody together who's completely different. And yeah. and learn from each other. That's called, what it's I, called the military. I think. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I think. <laughs> like literally, that's what happens. That's yeah. what I value so much, and that's why I think military people in general, service members, have uh, such an easy time. They're like chameleons. You can put them in, 
And the people that were good in the military are able to adapt to any environment and have been exposed to so many different types of leaders. That's why we move so much, too. People don't understand. I didn't understand it when I was a young Marine. But I was like, why the hell am I moving every three years? Just leave me here. He said, yeah. no, because we, when you get complacent, things don't change and grow. Right. And he said, so to make sure the force continues to to flourish, we move people so you can bring value to some that may not have the value right. over and, and over again. when you get promoted, you get put in a different unit. Yeah, right? every time. Yeah. every t- It's yeah. always it's that. And I never understood that piece. But, you know, now I get it. Now I'm able to go in any situation and – and fill out the climate. I know it takes me six months to a year to really get in my get my groove, right? But after that, I'm just growing from there. You know, I right. know that the first six months is going to be a grind. But most people will go into corporations and never leave. Or they might be there, you know, oh, my God, I got to leave this place. And I'm like, oh, you got to move? I've moved 13 times <laughs> in my life. So, yeah, I'm not really – I know I did this with the back of my head other than having to pay for it myself now because uh, I'm retired. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but, like, it's those pieces that um, – that I think are so so overlooked over time, and it's, yeah, we need to talk about them like now. We're talking about them, and so hopefully somebody listens and understands a brother or sister, you know, that's transitioning. On one end, I hope you understand because you have more than you than you think to to provide for any corporation and if any corporate, you know, office or personal power or leadership. Listening is like to. To have change and healthy change in, in your in your industry, you have to think outside the box. If you stay within where you are, you become just like the competitor. But if you want to grow outside that box, that means you need to do things that other people haven't done. You need to niche down so far within your your chain of command or your your, your leadership structure that nobody is to the left or right of you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good point. Well, a lot of those <laughs> attributes too is why I'm a big fan of you know. Uh, veterans looking at small business ownership for what you just said, right? Instead of being constrained, instead of trying to fight City Hall and bitch and moan about big company X, right, that means well but just doesn't understand us, you know, just create your own thing. And, uh, you know, a lot of times that's Amen. that in the long run that's a, a better solution. It's way better. That's yeah. what we've done. I'm like, I, I don't, yeah. I, I, we've thought about going to work and and I talked about it today, but every time I think about it, I was like, why would I want to do that? <laughs> And John, thinking about how things can be, you know, so we talked about leadership lessons and attributes that we bring from the military, how that's lost in translation when you get out. What about, is it possible or have you seen it where, you know, just uh, Sally the civilian moves from organization A to organization B and what she was trained or good at in organization A is lost in translation? You mean going into an existing business? Yeah, like if she worked at this company and then moved into this company, kind of like we're talking about from the military, but just taking it out of the military context. Yeah. Maybe she left, maybe she had to move, and so the company she was working at here spent money in training her leadership stuff, or she's done workshops or done all these things, but then when she finds herself in another company, they're not valuing what she brings to the table. Well, I think Sally runs into the same problems veterans run into. Yeah. You you know, um, for example, some companies are known for great training, right? Like if you work at, uh, like if you work at McKinsey, like you got this McKinsey brand on you, and they they teach your table manners a certain way and a certain way to Booz Allen. You know, they teach you a level of John professionalism. Deere, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, or you know, uh, Caterpillar was yeah. one of my biggest clients, right? They do an excellent job with training. And if you're in those industries and you work for those companies. 
um, they're recognized as having value for what they taught you, and then you have value in other businesses. But let's just say you go from Caterpillar dealer to Billy Bob's repair shop down the street, right? Billy Bob's repair shop, five dudes that work there might not understand Mr. Caterpillar coming in with all these formal processes that that dude's bringing with him, right? Just like a veteran doesn't fit in, right? Same issue, back to your point. So I think the challenges are there, whether you're military or not. I I think with military experience, they're just more extreme. So how do we we get people to open their eyes and listen and get out of that entrenched mindset and say, oh, well, you're, you know, what would you recommend to the, the person moving into that kind of situation? I don't know. I think, and I'm I'm part of the crowd too that you're that you're in. I, I think we need to quit like banging ahead over business people saying you got to hire more veterans because we're great. You know, I, I think a lot of well-intended businesses are doing that, right? I think where let's go down at lower altitude a little. Let's look at more granularly what's what's the best use of that resource in that business? And that gets back to that teaming thing I talked about. Like, how do we tweak it at the micro level to make right. it work better, right? Instead of, you know, just, you know, we sit around here and all veterans telling us how, how great each other are and how it's valuable to a business, right? Okay, I think most businesses get that. And I'm not trying to be critical. Um, I'm, my point is, let's look at it differently. Let's look at it as this uh, teaming issue maybe, right? And how do we create... Uh, teams to do that. And, and and military people just need to learn that no one owes them anything, you know. And honestly, guys, I don't mean to piss off half your listeners, but there's a huge... You see by No, there's a huge... Hey, uh, where's my freebies? And, mm-hmm. you know, I served for two years and sat behind a desk, so, uh, you know, where's my stuff? And, and look, guys, I'm an older dude. Um, that's a problem to civilians, and understandably so. Right? We don't... we. We volunteered to serve at the end of the day, right? And we, we served in the military. We didn't work at the military. Think about the language difference, yeah. right? I work at Walmart. I serve in the military, right? So we chose to serve in, in something that 1% of us do. So no one owes us anything, in my opinion, right? And um, that's Damn. No, that's a good one. I never heard it put like that because the wording. We talk about language yeah. in another podcast. Like language has every language. That's huge. I never thought. I, stole I literally that from have never. Someone. Thought, I've literally never. I thought heard of that. that recently, and that shocked the crap out of me too. Yeah, it shocked. It shocked I, I serve in the Marines. I serve in the Army. You know, because yeah, work at the Marines, serving right. leadership, serving. We always talk about yeah, serve, service, serve, serve, yeah. serve. Like, and when you serve, is like you do that without expecting anything in return. Well, and I think that's an important thing, and for veterans specifically, not <clears> uh, other people moving from one organization to the other, but to remember that when you move into another organization, if you go with that same mindset of. Mm. You know, what do I bring to this organization? Uh, How can I contribute? Just like we do anytime we move from unit A to unit B, go with that same mindset of what can I bring to the team? Yeah, and part of the big difference is, too, like this is yet another example, like working at or serving in, right? So when you're in the Marines or the Navy, um, you know, when you went on leave, did you think you weren't in the Navy anymore or in the Marines? Or? Right. No, you still had to obey all the rules. Well, not only did you have to obey, you were pretty proud of it. Yeah. You know, you went home, you had a few beers, you told your buddies about it, you know, and then and then you'd, you'd realize, oh, well, I'm a little weird here and I better get back. <laughs> <laughs> you always want to, yeah, you always want to go back to work. Like, But <laughs> how many civilians say, oh, God, I can't wait to, for my vacation. I want to just get rid of, get, get out. They, they go to a physical place or today it's, in their living room over Zoom, and they work at a place. It's a geographic 
mindset. Mm-hmm. I need to drive over there and put my time in so I can get my paycheck and drive back to my real life. Right? When in the military, it's like one thing, mm-hmm. and it's, it is your life. And that separation, I think, is tough for us to let go of. But imagine an organization on the civilian side that could build that type of culture where people, when they're on vacation, are excited to get back to work. And I always say the difference between waking up and saying, I have to go to work versus waking up and saying, I get to go to work. Right. Being excited about it. I mean, look at uh, nonprofits, for example, right? There's a lot of great nonprofits out there. People volunteer their time to go serve in some capacity with a nonprofit that they love, right? And they do great jobs. Nobody, no one's giving them a paycheck or anything. It's their time. I mean, that a nonprofit business that that has a good mission and all that, it's actually happening. I mean, and, but why is it so difficult for for-profit businesses to uh, to get that same mojo going? You know, it, it, that's that to me is baffling. That's know? the part that's lost in translation. Is how right. do you how yeah how do you capture that same essence? of people that are serving in some capacity, nonprofit or the military, bring that into corporate America. Yeah, see, I think it's, I mean, I do it with my with my clients because I, I, I know what type of clients I want. And I've learned that givers are a lot more loyal over time. Right? They're, not, they're looking for quality, not quantity. And so when it comes to, like, how I look at it, you have to ask them, um, you can't ask them, Wave top questions. You ha- you can't, it, it, and that's it's hard because in society, when you're hiring people, there's certain things you can, you're not supposed to ask and that you can't ask. But that personal side of somebody, maybe it's just in some organizations where they say, "Hey, we having this uh, we having this meet and greet. You know, just come over here," and they get to know you on a, on a deeper level. So you right. just have a general conversation instead of just sitting there. It's like, so how long were you there? What did you do while you were there? Well, that's you're gonna you're only gonna get the person qualified to do what you need them to do. You're not gonna get somebody willing to to be a servant to lead. So you have to actually have a personal, more personal relationship, which is hard in the corporate world. They don't right. understand that. But you see companies doing it all the time, taking their employees places. They they having luncheons and having that. Then they understanding the type of person that they want, and so they know what they look for down the line. Yeah, yeah. One of the one of the places that <clears throat> I you know eat and, and have an adult beverage out in Surf City, uh, they shut down. Well, actually, a couple of the places out there, now that I think about it, they shut down for a couple of weeks out of the year and go on a surf trip or go, you know, with their employees somewhere. Yeah, that's great. And when you walk into those places, those those businesses. The people are happy. The people are happy people and you can happy. feel it. Yeah. You know? One of the biggest leadership lessons that I, I not lesson, but I, I recognize this you're gonna laugh a little, but I went to a Waffle House on Christmas Day once. Waffle was amazing. Waffle House is amazing. Actually, I saw before you get into that, uh, I, I saw something on LinkedIn about this guy working it, and he was talking about the infrastructure. Yeah, I saw that playing. recently. You too, seen yeah. it, dude? Yeah. I, I thought did. about this guy that in the story. So I, I thought Waffle House on Christmas Day. Those employees are gonna be pissed, you know. So we get there. It is like as usual, line out the door. I was on vacation. Long story, but. Um, I'll tell you, the employees in that place were fired up. Manager welcomed us. The employees were happy. And I remember, how did this guy pull this off, yeah. man? Because you got this stereotype of a uh, oh Waffle House fights, yeah, and and bombs. And uh, <laughs> man, I, I I tell you, I was I was blown away by the vibe in that place and the 
the mood and the service and all that stuff. And, 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 and I walked away thinking, this is a good leader right there. You know? So, John, imagine that leader. Imagine if that person left Waffle House and went and worked at some bigger organization yeah. and was trying to bring whatever mojo magic they had to create that environment, that culture, but was faced with resistance. Resistance because, yeah. oh, you managed a Waffle House? That's cute. Yeah. I think it's cubicle. I think it's two ways though. It's two ways because there's there's the one side where somebody comes into the organization and says we need to change right now because they've been doing this. They said this works here, so it has to work here. Instead of like sitting back and 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 kind of letting adaptation takes place mm-hmm. over time, instead of being so aggressive with it and allowing themselves the 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 ability to like slowly integrate instead of changing things immediately. Well, I think that definitely on. It's always 100 100, right? You have 100% involved in whatever the thing is, the interaction, and I do as well. So the the person who is moving, their responsibility is to sit and listen and watch and not come in guns a blazing right. because that will shut people down just as much as probably more than oh, anything yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. But if you're good, like you'll realize that you, that you can make changes and nobody even knows they're happening. But I, yeah, I think to Morgan's point, <laughs> like, if, I mean, if you're a really good leader, you know to do that, yes. thing, right? And well, I, and that's all yeah. about tips, you know, offering tips to our listeners. And that's <clears> one <throat> of those things. And we talk about listening, probably listening and ego pop up in every podcast. Yeah. And I think moving into an environment where you might be facing some challenges, sitting back and listening and watching what's going on before you go guns a blazing. Yeah. Is is often As, yeah. a good practice. Being curious, not judgmental, saying, yeah. Well, you you shouldn't be doing this. You say, Why do you do this? Yeah. Right. And so you're being more curious about the situation. It's like, you know, teach me why you do it. And then the other the other piece is it's not like this is how you will do it. Let me teach you why this would probably be a better idea. Yeah. It's thing I I'd like to add a third thing to what your short list was along the lines that you just said. And I, this came from my experience in sales. The third thing is to lead through questions and not statements. Man, I've learned if you can really get good at asking really good questions yep. to get people to figure it out for themselves. When you learn, that's listening. That's hard to do, that's too, by the way. It's yeah. so easy to say, here, just do this, right? But if you, if you pause and ask good questions, not only will employees love you, but you know you'll actually build a better self-correcting organization because the, the moment because you can tell people like uh, oh I get it yeah I get it but the moment they go oh damn I get it like a Morgan moment you like well wait, when Morgan just realized Port City <laughs> yeah Port City yeah you know what I mean so like when you get somebody else to, to have that aha moment without you telling them what the aha moment is it's almost like it's etched in their mind now. You can't you can't unlearn it, right? You know you can unhear something like, oh yeah, that makes sense, and then go off and do your own thing. But as soon as you haven't you're vested, you're like, damn, I totally get it. Well, now, that, not I'll, a, yeah, and then it offers them the opportunity, yeah, to build on that, like Port City, yeah. And like, I realized that Port City, this was a port. I was like, ah, oh, that makes so much sense yeah. now. Why there's ships and stuff here? In between, episodes. you thought it was a city on the left side or something like that, just, right? I, I don't know what because I. <laughs> Because I see something else, Port City, Java, then something else said Port City. I'm like, this morning, like this morning, Morgan was like, I get it. <laughs> then they said, there's ships here. I said, it is. <laughs> <laughs> we all learn at a different rates, man. I, I don't know. I, it, didn't, it didn't look like the Navy shipyard at 32nd Street in, well, in yeah, San Diego. Of think of that. You know what I'm looking at this huge where the gunships are, and the, uh, was the OMPF ships? Yeah. Yeah, all those different ships. I'm like, I don't see none of those. Yeah. So this ain't no port to me. They don't, you know. 
Awesome. Well, we're going to start wrapping it up here. John, What um, if there's one leadership <clears throat> principle that you would like to share with leaders, you know, or, or our listeners, what, what would that be, whether you brought it from the military or learned it on corporate side? I, I just think embrace, resi- you know, strive for resiliency, you know. Not a day goes by where I don't screw something up, you know. And, and you just got to, you got to, it's like being in shape, right? You, you, you work on being in shape. Not that you're going to be in the Olympics anytime soon, but you just, you feel better and you can handle, th- you know, challenges better. So I think that all boils down to, Focusing on resiliency, and, and it's like martial arts. You know, you're not a black belt the first day you show up. If you consciously practice some of the things you talk about on this podcast and some of the basic blocking and tackling of leadership, you know, you'll become resilient. You know, if that's the goal, but you'll never, you'll never perfect it. But you'll always be in the range somewhere. Yeah. Well, we certainly appreciate you spending time with us today. If somebody's looking to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Uh, FolaCapital.com. Okay. So, yeah, appreciate that. All right. Well, thanks. Help you raise some money. Help you raise some money. (laughs) All right, everybody. Well, that's going to do it uh, for us here on another episode of That L Word. This was great. This was great. I think I I learned a lot today. I love doing this, man. Holy mackerel, man. I don't know. I'm trying not to cuss and be excited at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't Uh, heard one F bomb this whole episode. No, you're pretty pretty good. good. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes well, Matt, Matt will tell us for sure. If <laughs> I like that about one first clip, and I, I dropped the bomb, and I was, but it was so good. It was a, such a good bleep that you could still hear it, kind of. Yeah, it was still the the feeling was still there. Yeah, you know what I mean? There. Yeah, you knew it was there. But no, appreciate you coming out, and yeah, this is for having me. this is the key. It's like when we're talking about things in a, you know in a corporate sense, in a, in a business sense, what makes us valuable. You know, one thing that I've had a hard time to, uh, transitioning to is letting go of the military side. But what no, I it didn't dawn on me at all that that was a problem. No, <laughs> <laughs> but what Jody has taught me is like you know we don't have to we don't have to be it, but we it's still a part of who we are, right. and so we can't let go of something that that has been in our lives for so long we just have to learn how to channel it in a different direction and that's what you helped us do today we appreciate you well thank you thank you appreciate you having me well hey everybody uh make sure and leave us reviews uh stars and share it on social share it with your friends your family and anybody else who you think needs to listen that's not good enough you need to tell them how many stars how many stars are they gonna leave us well, hopefully five. Five? If, Can we do six? Six in the – they got to put the six one in the comments. There you go. Say, here's my six star in the comment. And we that's can... how you know you really, really, really liked it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys and gals out there, talk to you later. All right, thanks for hanging out. Thanks. Bye. See ya.